everyone. Very good. This is Annika in Columbia. And Maria in Happy Valley. And we are here to talk about Bellingham, the city of subdued whatever we decide to talk about. We want to get to know you, Bellingham. Both the well-known and not so well-known. We're joined as always by our quarantined co-hosts, Rito and Romy. Um, Annika, did Romy do anything for Tom for Father's Day? You know, he he did not get Tom a gift because Romy is the gift. But uh, Romy did uh, help us with our dishes. He he likes to clean out the grit bowl whenever we make grits. Oh. So, yeah, that's yeah. his his weekly special treat. I've also been known to clean out a grit bowl. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, How about burrito? Burrito has been using a new diet solution so i I know our listeners have been following this saga of me trying to get my cat to lose weight in different ways this time it's this ball that's like a puzzle that he has to figure out how to get the treats out of it so he eats slower and this is trying to solve the problem of him eating too fast and then throwing up whenever we feed him it's going pretty well he likes to push it around with his nose minus is that now there's a rolling ball of treats and you know sometimes he doesn't find them also they're in the carpet <laughs> we're, we're working out a solution i also want to say if anybody wanted to uh invest in the elizabethan cat collar my personal trial did not go so well yeah I, it did not help with the birds yeah that's the update on that it take take that one off mm-hmm. but yeah otherwise other than that doing happy burrito is very happy and um really just such a good boy just like romy so, Maria, what is the hot goss in Bellingham this week? Okay. Well, since you asked, I wanted to, to shout out a little bit to all the dads out there that are doing their best. All you Bellingham dads that take your kids to the park, see you on your bikes, in the grocery <laughs> store. Thanks for being there. And also, you know, just a shout out to my own dad, who listens sometimes, and who I love dearly. <laughs> And is an important part of my life. So ha- happy Father's Day, Marco. Yes, and um, happy Father's Day, Mr. Fleming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ed does not listen. Oh, okay, thank God. I know your mom's name. <laughs> um, it's also summer vacation for us, Annika. If, if you've noticed. Fuck yeah. How have you been spending your? What's that opening up for you as far as possibilities go? I slept in a little bit today, so that was exciting. And uh, I mean, so far, I haven't really noticed. I'll probably know more on Monday because right now it just feels like a weekend. I guess it, I guess it is a weekend. Yeah, it That's hasn't true. really like set in yet that I don't have to work on Monday. But we did celebrate mm-hmm. our end of the school year. Uh, la- last year, we had a big group and, you know, we had talked about it before we went to the Firefly and Maria doesn't remember going to the Firefly, but we went. It's probably just because it was boring and who would remember something so boring? Nope. That is not why it was. <laughs> that is not why you don't remember. <laughs> but uh, this year, it was a, a smaller crowd. By smaller crowd, I just mean Maria and I, yeah. because Maria is... You are in one of my pods of people that I am seeing Mm -hmm. during phase two. Yeah, I told Brandon that I was counting you as part of my household because we see each other so often. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think I can't remember the exact criteria, but you're like, you're allowed to spend time with it's like one or two other households or something like that. I can't remember. People outside. It's a little bit hard to keep track of because, like, you know, if you, if you, go out and there's people in the same space but you're not exactly with them does that count yeah like, uh, it's you know we're all just gonna try to do our best um yeah no exactly yeah 
Um, as far as I go, I mean, I have been watching uh, Modern Family, and like a lot of it. So, you know, last year it was Bones, and I watched like all 20 seasons of Bones. So yeah, if anybody else has good shows to binge over the summer, um, it's nice to have something on in the background while I try to work on my online masters. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as far as some other kind of more newsy stuff goes, Governor Inslee is requiring the people of Yakima to wear masks because their numbers are rising. I think this is a very silly thing to do, Governor Inslee. Just make us all wear masks. We're all going to have to wear masks eventually, and we should all be wearing masks right now. So why are you just requiring it of the people of Yakima? Yeah. It's, uh, I've seen people getting lazier out there with the masks, mm -hmm. and if we're going to all be spending more time together, we have to be good about it. You know, if you're if you're eating, then you can't, right? But right. if you're around and outside, please put your mask on so we don't have to go back to phase one. Ugh. Nobody wants it. No. Lord help us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, but more fun, the Flagstaff Pub is finally opening up soon. In a few days, I think. Where? So what? What? Where? What is it? Okay. Where is so, it? So do you remember the place that used to be New York Pizza? Yes. And then it was that weird hot dog restaurant for a couple months yes i never went to that sorry frankenstein's it didn't work <laughs> out you you had dreams but i think you had other locations so hopefully those are doing well yeah uh but now it's flagstaff which is a mini golf bar Ooh. a mini golf like tap house i believe so that should be fun and it also gives us another stop on one of my favorite Bellingham activities, the State Street Olympics. Oh, that's that's exactly right. That'll be a great addition to State Street. Now, you might ask, what are the sports in State Street Olympics? Some of them have disappeared over the years. But mm -hmm. at its prime, you had bowling at the bowling alley. Okay. And then darts at the Copper Hog. Okay. Then cornhole at Schwein. Okay. Um, billiards at the Up. Let's see. I wonder if we were counting pinball at the racket. I'm sure. I think that probably made it in there. And then now mini golf at the very end. If every if all of those places would have existed simultaneously, think of how many sports would be on that run. So many. Uh, if I'm missing one, somebody can remind me, but I think I got them all. So is there like a date for the State Street Olympics or is it just a... No, like... it's something I made up. Oh, so we need... Okay. So when this is all... <laughs> over things are open back up we need to make a date out of it yeah we did it once for one of my friend's birthdays and it went very well oh. which is we had to modify it because our dream was to do the state street shuffle which is to have a drink at every bar on state street but it's like 15 places yeah and we had to make some cuts so state street olympics drinks and games do you know anyone who's done the State Street Shuffle? No, that's also something I made up. Oh. <laughs> uh, but maybe somebody else out there has done it. And, you know, I'm sure, like, I'm sure somebody's hit every bar on State Street tonight. Oof. Oh, there's a, there's something at State Street. Oh, you know what? It was billiards at State Street and um, one of the, it's like the deer hunter at the app. That's what it was. I knew I was forgetting something. Wow. I know. It's impressive. Is it? It is. Is it? <laughs> so um, as far as completionist drinking sports in Bellingham goes the the holy grail is the tap trail stamp map and fortunately for us this is a wonderful segue by the way our guest today is Dave Morales from the Bellingham Tapped In podcast which is the official podcast of the Bellingham Tap Trail so with that super duper fun little zigzag uh let's head on over to our interview 
So our guest today is Dave Morales from the Tapped In Beercast. Dave has been around or in the beer business for over 20 years and has a bit of homebrew going on, correct? Always. Always. But yeah, welcome, Dave. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So, Dave, we usually ask what people are drinking, but I think we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the episode. But for now, um, how are you doing? How's your life been? Uh, my life's been okay. It's uh, it's definitely different, like everybody's is, I think. Um, I'm lucky in that I'm still working, but I'm not working in the same capacity that I was. Uh, so I have much better hours and much better days, but, but everything's you know, a little up in the air. I work for Amtrak, so transportation industry is kind of sideways right now. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So uh, since this is a Bellingham podcast, what brought you to Bellingham? Beer. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally, I moved to Bellingham to brew at Boundary Bay. Where so. Where were you before? I was in Seattle. Okay. Uh, so I didn't come far, but I was only in Seattle for about two, two and a half years working down there at Pike and Pyramid. So I don't know exactly how it happened. I met somebody from uh, Boundary Bay at a cask event that we were having at the Pike. And okay. for some reason, the words came out of my mouth like, oh, I've always wanted to move to Bellingham. <laughs> and so I started coming up and poof, it happened. And I've been here for over 20 years now. So wow, that's awesome. <laughs> kind of crazy. Yeah. So since you've been in Bellingham such a long time, we're hoping that you have a Bellingham story. So this is something amusing with a person, place, or thing that other locals would recognize. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. And I don't have anything really like that. Like I said, it was kind of almost an out-of-body experience that I ended up here anyway. So I guess the story that I can tell is just kind of how, in retrospect, Bellingham has always been in my on my radar, even though I wasn't really aware of it. I was coming back from Alaska, driving down, and the very first time I was in Bellingham, uh, I was with a friend who was familiar with the area because I was not. I was coming from Austin, Texas at this point, mm -hmm. and uh, we were crossing the border kind of late. And he was like, I know this really awesome beer bar. I think I can find it. It's in Fairhaven. It's called the Archer Ale House. Oh. And so that was the first place I went. And then, and this was in 94 or five, probably 95. And uh, we went there and then he was like, okay, I think I know a place where we can camp for the night. And so we drove down and camped at Larrabee. And uh, this was, I mean, it was dark when we got here. So I had no, no idea where I was. Huh. So flash forward a couple of years, I, I move up here. And I realize that I've seen Bellingham and other things before. In the movie, The Bridges of Madison County, uh, which I watched with my wife at one point, maybe even before she was my wife, <laughs> <laughs> I just noticed in, it's a quick little shot of Clint Eastwood driving his old pickup truck. But on the side of the pickup truck door, it says Bellingham, Washington. Hmm. And, uh, hmm. and so I had, I had to double check that. But even more creepy, or even creepier. Ooh or yep. weir weirder. When I was a kid, my brother gave me a paperback book for Christmas one year. And he was probably eight, and I was maybe 13 or something. And it was this terrible science fiction-y kind of fantasy book called Footfall. And it's about these giant feet pods that invade the earth. It is a terrible <laughs> book. 
<laughs> Sounds like but something for, an eight-year-old boy would give to exactly. His brother. <laughs> I, you know, he just went to Seven Eleven and was like, "Here's a book that I'll go get my brother for Christmas." I held on to it for some reason, but I never read it. Hmm. Like fifteen years ago, I'm here. And I, op- I see the book. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get rid of it, but I should read it first. I open it up, and the very first page, I realize that it's set in Bellingham, Washington. What? <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. The stars have aligned. Exactly. So so I don't have anything really like kind of in the vein that you're looking for, but I just th- kind of found that fortuitous, I guess, or I don't know, creepy would be my word. I think it still probably falls in the line. It's a kind of a vague question, so I'm... Yeah, we just like to hear what people have to say. Some people, like, know exactly the story they're going to tell, and some people, it just winds around to something really interesting, like the footpod people, you know? <laughs> they're in Bellingham. It, it reminds me of... I was doing my student teaching in a second-grade classroom, and we were watching, like, Air Buddies Christmas or something, the one with the dogs. And that was set in Bellingham, too. Not filmed oh, really? here. But wow. I just thought that was huh. so funny and interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that. Yeah. So you had said before that you came up to Bellingham to work in Boundary Bay. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey through the beer industry? You had said you also started working, was it at Pyramid or Pike in Seattle? Both, actually. Okay. Yeah. I got lucky when I moved to Seattle in 96, the the Pike Pub was just getting ready to open. And uh, I moved to Seattle because I was pretty sure I wanted to get into the beer industry. I'd been homebrewing for a few years at that point and kind of had the bug. And so unbeknownst to me, I hit Seattle and I just happened to see that they're getting ready to open. So basically I just went in and made myself such a thorn in their side. (laughs) I was like, hire me, hire me, hire me, hire me, hire me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, And they did. So I helped open up that Pike Pub as just like a server, bartender kind of thing. But I quickly weaseled my way into the connecting businesses, which was the brewery and then also the homebrew shop, Liberty Malt Supply, that used to be upstairs. And um, yeah, just kind of started hanging out all the time then. You know, I didn't have a girlfriend, I had a dog, so I didn't really have much of a life and uh i didn't know anybody really other than a couple people in in town and so i just hung out at pike all day every day (laughs) (laughs) and yeah and then for a brief about nine month period i went to pyramid and worked there and uh it was a good learning experience let's say okay and uh and so i went back to the pike briefly and then that was when i happened to meet Bruce Kale from uh, Boundary Bay, who's one of the people that helped literally build the things that you see at Boundary Bay. And uh, yeah, worked my way up here. And then all of a sudden, here I was. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Was Seattle known for beer in the 90s? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You had uh, Red Hook. um, You had Hale's. Pike was, well, Pike was like 89, but definitely okay. Hales and um, Red Hook was the biggest one, probably. And Pyramid. Pyramid was like mid-80s when it started. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Although at that at that time, I think it was in Klamath Falls still. Okay. So where, where did you go after Boundary Bay? Because you've had a pretty sustained involvement with uh, local beer. I have. You have. <laughs> and, and I mean, naturally, you, you have the tapped out beer cast you're talking to us now you have a lot of knowledge with beer i just want to probe more yeah it's it's kind of funny when i had to actually think about it 
it's just kind of this meandering river kind of a thing. I've been involved, I've been not involved, and it's always kind of from afar. Mm. After Boundary, I did some non-beer related things for a while, and then I actually moved to Michigan, where my, my wife is from, okay. and brewed there at a couple places. We were there for a year, almost to the day. We ended up coming back, but I had one really good experience brewing over there, and then I had one really horrendous experience brewing there. And the horrendous experience, I, I came out of it saying, okay, I'm, I'm done brewing for money. I'm over it. Mm -hmm. And so we got back. I didn't have a job. Uh, I was talking to Robert Arzu that owns the, the homebrew shop, who is uh, another juggernaut of this whole Bellingham beer industry. And uh, he was like, oh, you should open up a bottle shop, like a beer, beer store. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I did. On a shoestring budget, uh, I opened up a little specialty beer store. This would have been in like 2003 or four, four maybe, called The Bottle Shop, originally enough. And uh, it was right across from the Royal there on Holly Street, uh, right next to where Mallard used to be. And okay. uh, so right now it would be probably like where Tadeo's or the the tattoo parlor is or the waxing shop. It's the waxing shop. All right, yeah. Screaming was, Eve. Screaming Eve. Yeah. All right. It was a little hallway, basically, is all that it was. But yeah, the tattoo shop was there, and then um, there was the the lady that owns Danielle's uh, Back East Barbecue oh. had a Persian restaurant there, and. Uh, and it was really good. Oh, I bet but, that sounds uh, delicious. Yeah, she would she would bring over things for me to try. I'm like, here, eat this. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, ice, <gasps> ice ice cream on one side, Persian food on the other. It was rough, but I ran that for a few years, and uh, I'm not a business person, <laughs> so I get uh, it. Yeah, so it I basically ran a charity for a while, and so it closed, and I was really just kind of I just kind of stepped back, and then I don't know, I was. Whenever anything would happen in town, you know, the homebrew wise, or like when Elizabeth Station opened, Patrick came to me. He was like, Hey, I'm going to basically do a beefed up version of what you did. You know, any advice? And I was like, Sure. And then we ended up becoming friends. And so I've, my fingers, I don't know. I, I get phone calls and emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I just, I know everybody, you know, I've known. I mean, I've been here for a long time and I know people, so I'm, I'm around. I don't know. I don't, I mean, that's the best way I can describe it. I'm around and available. So because you've got such a, a marvelous, you know, your fingers on the pulse of, of our beer community here, what do you think makes it, you know, our beer so special? I want to say that we have the best beer in the whole world just because I love Bellingham so much. Yeah, we are spoiled. But even even since I've moved here like the last eight years, I feel like breweries just keep opening and, and they're staying for the most part sustainable. They've got customers, they've got beer coming out, they've got merch. So why is this a great town to open a brewery in and, and why is our beer so great? And could we reach national fame as a beer town? Oh, certainly. I think I think we have. The reason that breweries are so successful in this town is because the people that live in this town love to drink beer. <laughs> um, but more importantly, they love to drink good beer. You know, that's one thing in the Pacific Northwest. The people know their beer. You know, people that are even 30, 30-something 30 years old, I mean, they... Instead of somebody like me 
who grew up in Texas with Coors in the fridge, you know, they grew up with Red Hook in the fridge or Hales or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, So there was always better beer around. And so, you know, it's the kind of thing, like, if you don't know any better, if you don't know that there's a ton of bad beer out there, then you're just going to gravitate towards better beer. Um, (laughs) But as far as why the beer is so good, that's a good question. My friend Chris McClanahan and I worked for a good five or six years on opening up a brewery here in town that was going to be called Subdued Brewing. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I know. That's why when I saw your (laughs) podcast, I was like, oh, interesting. The official brewery of the Subdued Podcast or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we ended up holding that, oh gosh, it was probably four or five years ago at this point, but we spent a lot of time on it. Patrick from Elizabeth Station was involved and uh, it, it's it's hard. It's hard to open up a brewery. And at this point, so many didn't exist. Like Menace wasn't around, you know, what's now 122 West, but even Melvin wasn't wasn't here yet. Stemma. I mean, this would have been nothing. We actually, yeah. Yeah, that's a whole other. We we looked at that spot. Oh, really? Um, I think that the the person that owned that building already had the idea for mm-hmm. putting in a brewery. And Twin Sisters is great. I live right up the street from it. I live on Grant Street, so um, I think their building is so beautiful. It looks like beer Hogwarts. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I mean, as far as why the beer is so good, I think that well, first off, you had Boundary Bay, which was pretty groundbreaking you know they've been around for 20 something years now 25 years and they're making making world-class beer you know there's a lot of awards on that wall and so so the bar was already pretty high for anyone else coming in and then of course you had will kemper come in will and mari with chuckanut and Mm. they're making you know you can get better kolsch here in bellingham than in some of the places in Cologne, Germany. <laughs> you know, so, oh, we love the Kolsch. <laughs> oh my God, it's my favorite. And it just kind of went from there. And every, but I think more importantly, every brewery has its niche. Um, there's no two breweries that really do the same signature things. I mean, sure, they all make IPAs, sure, they all make stouts, but they're very different beers. You know, you've got Chuckanut that does the German European lager thing. You've got Boundary that does the the Scotch ales and the the IPAs, you know, the super strong IPAs. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of this is just a huge blanket statement. They do much more than this, but yeah, yeah, you know, you've got Wander that does kind of the the more experimental things. You've got Structures that does the New England style and the and the super experimental things. You've got Culshin that was talk about being at the right place at the right time. You know, they just make super solid beer that is always good you know like, <laughs> whenever you're just like i want a beer you can always like grab a culture and be like this is going to be good uh-huh. and so everybody just kind of has their thing and i think that's important for coexistence is nobody's like i'm going to do exactly what they're doing because i think if that were to happen then that place might have a rougher time surviving mm-hmm. just because the customer base would be like well i already I'm already friends with all of these people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've already got I've already got the bar that I hang out with and do that with. A long-winded answer. No, it's a great answer. So you are the host of Tapped In Beercast. Correct. What what happened first? Did you get involved in podcasting or did you get involved in 
tap trails and like, or how, how did that come about? Um, again, kind of a fluke. Mm-hmm. Um, I was already a big fan of many podcasts and thought, you know what? I have a degree in radio, TV, film that concentrates in audio. Huh. I could do this and I can talk a lot. So this would be a good fit. And so I was just thinking of doing it on my own. And I mentioned it to uh, one of the owners of the tap trail. And he's like, oh, you should do that for us. I'm like, okay. He's like, we could maybe pay you a little money. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like, I was going to do it for free, but. Shh, and I, don't tell them that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so it just kind of came about. I mean, I already had a concept. I mean, I was essentially ready to go. I knew that because I hadn't done anything before that I was under no time constraint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I just called up Eric Jorgensen out at the North Fork, who's a good friend of mine. I was like, hey, you want to sit down and do this with me <laughs> for a while? And that initial one, we sat down and it was about a three and a half hour, just knock down, drag out. We just got really drunk. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, and then I had to learn how to edit digital audio because I'm just old enough to have gone to college when everything was still analog. So uh, it's like, hmm, these newfangled things, how do they work? And now that I know how they work, they're great because they're super fast. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that first editing of that three and a half hours and trying yeah. to make everything sound semi-professional and coherent and not that it was just a incoherent mess. It took me a couple weeks, but I've gotten better. (laughs) (laughs) We feel you. So I guess, yeah, so that's the answer. It was just kind of one of those, hey, I'm thinking of doing this. And and it's funny because if they hadn't said, you should do it for us, and there was no money in in the beginning, and there's no money now. (laughs) And even when there was money, it it wasn't money. But um, yeah, I don't know that I would have done it. I don't know that I would have followed through, but having Mm -hmm. somebody say, yeah, go do it for us, then it kind of became its own thing. And and it's it's gone away a couple of times, but it's back now. And it's more, I'm just doing it for me, and mm-hmm. I just happen to do it with the tap trail now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's always been just just me. You know, their involvement has been sponsorship and a place to host the podcast. But I've I've done everything. I mean, I'm I'm a one man show. Yeah. Well, so. I've always been uh, a big fan of the Tap Trust podcast as long as I've been listening. And so I was like really excited to have you on the show because it's oh, like a little awesome. starstruck. I appreciate that. But have you, <laughs> how have you felt like. You clearly don't know me. <laughs> how have you felt about the, like, the reception and the listenership? Like, do you, do you get a lot of feedback? I don't get a lot of feedback. Oh, that makes us feel good. I kind of joke that, um, that I do it for about 20 people. And I think there's some truth in that. The one thing that I'm not very good at is the whole marketing aspect, the the technological side as far as social media presence and stuff. Like I have to say I was was very impressed with you two when you both reached out, you had instructions, you know, this is how we're going to do it. Please make sure that you have this ready. Please make sure that that this and this and this like wow that's our teacher showing professional yeah (laughs) that's what i was just gonna say i was like 
these broads have a very organized Google Drive. That's what that is. <laughs> well, it's impressive because I just, not only am I dealing with myself and my usually weird availability, but I'm dealing with brewers. And let's face it, brewers are either flakes or are very busy or are kind of a combination of both. And so... Uh, making things actually happen, especially since I do it in person and have them come to the house generally, you know, there's a little more, you know, a little more planning that has to be involved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so what is uh, something really cool or interesting that you have learned about Bellingham beer or breweries in the area or just beer in general that you've learned about through the podcast and through uh, talking with other brewers? Hmm. Well, I would say more than learning something about the, I mean, obviously I learned more about the, the origin stories of the, of all the breweries mm-hmm. and about the brewers themselves and kind of their path to, uh, to greatness. But, uh, I would say more than learning something, it's more, I've had a confirmation of sorts. One, one thing that's been confirmed for me in doing the interviews is that the brewing community is very friendly towards each mm-hmm. other, very cooperative. And you don't get that in a lot of different businesses. You know, usually it's you know, the other person is competition. They must be quashed or dealt with, or how are we going to deal with this? But in the brewing community, it's almost the opposite. If you're opening up a brewery, all of the other brewers will come by and be like, what can we do to help? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just had that confirmed talking to Ben and Carolina that are opening other lands here in a couple of weeks. They were talking about how wonderful, because they're right next to Culshin and Twin Sisters, about how those two breweries have been tremendous, you know, and just a huge help to them. Yeah. And you don't get that in a lot of things. So I just say the camaraderie um, is something that I haven't so much learned, but has my, my faith in it has been confirmed. <laughs> Do you feel like this is something kind of ubiquitous amongst brewers or is it is it the mix of Bellingham subdued chillness and brewery or is it both? I think, there, I think there's definitely the subdued quality to it, but the brewing industry in general is, is known for being like that. Awesome. Uh, yeah, which is a great thing. Yeah. I which agree. made it a joy to be a part of. Um, okay, this is kind of a, a different sort of question, and I just like mm-hmm. a couple a couple things that I'm curious about. So you're involved with the Taptel project. How many stamps have you gotten in a day? What's your record? I've never done. That, oh, you've never done actually. it. Actually, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Have you heard of anyone make, breaking a record? Oh, I'm sure I could think of a few people. <laughs> um, it wouldn't surprise me if uh, if Justin Smith who was one of the co-owners of the Firefly, had some kind of record in what he had done for a day. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Huh. Um, I think my record is I seven. Wow. It is. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've definitely gone to many breweries in a day, but I, I've never had the, the actual stamp thing. Because I, I normally don't, I'm not able to get out that much. When, when life is normal, I have like Monday nights or Tuesdays to go out and do something. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm at work mm-hmm. uh, from like one thirty to nine thirty or ten, or until whenever the last train gets in. Yeah, Some, sometimes two in the morning. But and I have beer at my house, uh, so I don't. You know, I just go out to to support my friends, right? Basically, and that's something that I've been trying to do in this time of COVID is get out and 
go try and support breweries and ask how they're doing as well. And mm-hmm. that's actually something that's going to be coming up on the next little mini episode. I'm probably going to write the script for it tomorrow. I've been getting little blurbs from the breweries in town like, hey, how are you doing? You know, and especially now that phase two just started, how is that working? How are, how are you doing that? And how are you going to keep things going moving forward? You know, which is basically a nice way of asking, what can you have me tell people that want mm. to come into your place but might not be comfortable enough to do it yet? What are you doing for them? Yeah. And everybody's great. Everybody's, you know, everybody's doing the right things, I think. That's, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. We are so excited to get back out to all of our favorite breweries. I know Annika and I, me too. when, uh, when phase two opened, we, we made a stop at Menace and Stemma, but you know, we're going to get out to all of them eventually because we love sitting down for a pint or two and or a pitcher. I do too. Or flight. Yeah. You know? I miss, I miss bar culture. I miss going to, mm-hmm. I like brew pubs, but I also like a good dark cocktail bar. Like I'm a big fan of Jack's, big yep. fan of uh, Cabin Tavern. Not that they're dark, yep. but Christian's just such a great guy. Mm-hmm. Um, love going there. I mean, I love going uh, so many places. I'm going to miss a lot of places, though. Like, I'll miss the Firefly. Yeah. It's too bad that, that oh, they're not going to reopen again. <sighs> yeah, I hope, that is too bad. I hope somebody can can take over the spirit of it. You know, that's all we can hope for it at this point. I, th- I think... I think your wishes might be granted, Ooh. but I'm not. I, I'm not certain. All okay. right. Well, that's a little bit of a, a hint, hint, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, Maria, we need to get Chris from the cabin on the yeah. show because he's had two shout outs. Keep referencing. Oh. Yeah. So, and he works for the school district. <gasps> we have so much to talk about. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what does he do? He he runs Head around bird. to all the. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He. Uh, it's not in the bus barn, but he he drives around and makes deliveries or i don't know he's worked there a long time though um yeah yeah and he's just such a cool guy dave one question i've always kind of had but never really knew how to navigate and maybe maybe you could help me out with this there's lots of different kinds of beer awards and many many of our breweries have beers with awards from different competitions are there any like Mm -hmm. particular competitions people should pay attention to or like local or national or or do you have any advice on any of that? That question makes sense. Yeah, it does make okay. sense, um, and that is a hotly debated topic among brewers. Uh, some people don't believe in going to competitions at all. Uh, some people enter every single competition that is available, and these days there is a lot of them. Mm. Uh, it used to just be the that there were two big ones: the Great American Beer Festival which is held every September or October in Denver. Okay. And then uh, the World Beer Cup, which is held every two years, three years. I think it's two years. Um, and it's in various places around the world. It is truly a global beer event. Hmm. So if your brewery of choice has medals from the World Beer Cup, they're legit because not just anybody wins those. They're all great. Some are greater than others. You know, if you're the you know, Bellingham Chamber of, you know, let's say Bellingham Chamber of Commerce has a beer thing and you win the gold medal, sure, it's nice to win. But what does it mean? You know, and that's just a random example. I don't think the Chamber of <laughs> Commerce actually does that. And if they do, I apologize. <laughs> but, um, you know, there's and then there's the Washington Beer Awards, which is in the state of Washington. And there's just so many, there's so many that I don't even know about. So you, there seems to be a lot more medals and 
awards going around these days than there used to be. But I would say the, the, the big ones would be the Washington Beer Awards. You know, this being even just best in the state still counts for a mm-hmm. lot, right? The Great American Beer Festival. Uh, those are from all over America. And then, um, but the big, the big one is the World Beer Cup. You know, if if there's an award on there, if that award is hanging from somebody's wall, then they make good beer. All right. Well, that's very helpful because I I had literally no idea what any of that stuff meant. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all, you know, it's all good. I mean, if you win anything, you know, you know, now if it says participation award, (laughs) you know, maybe don't take that too seriously. (laughs) So I'm going to ask a bit about Mm -hmm. COVID-19. I'm curious, what have you heard as far as how breweries are feeling about phase two, do they feel like they're ready to re-enter phase two? I feel like we have a pretty good grasp on the impact of COVID-19 now, but but I'm curious about how other breweries have talked about phase two, I guess. And that's, it's exactly the thing that I've been reaching out to breweries like right now yeah. um, to give me a little blurb on that so that I can read it off. And, uh, and I've gotten them from about, I don't know, five or six places and then including uh, Elizabeth Station, which I kind of consider a brewery, even though they're not a brewery, they are just as important in this town as any single brewery is. And uh, they are tentatively excited. I would imagine most, especially eateries would be they're excited to get people back in because part of a brewery is, as you're well aware, and the reason that you go to them is because you have that experience. You know, it's like a cheers type experience where, you know, you're a regular, you have your, your places that you go and they know you and, and your friends are there. And, and it's a social experience as a brewery should be, or a brew pub should be. And it's not quite the same when you just have to pay over the phone and then go get your stuff and take it home and enjoy it there. It's yeah. still just as enjoyable as far as beer goes, but it's not that same, it's not the full sensory experience. And I think that, well, one, I think people are ready to go support their favorite breweries and watering holes, but everybody understands that it's going to be different. And uh, overwhelmingly, everybody that has gotten back to me about that has been excited, but there will be rules. And I think their biggest fear is people that don't want to follow the rules. And an added concern that you have when you're operating a brewery or a tasting room is, you know, it's not just a retail store. It's a place that serves alcohol. And sometimes people get a little funny when they have (laughs) alcohol and they don't want to follow the rules or, you know, wear clothes and stuff (laughs) like that. So... (laughs) <laughs> so there's there's that concern, but I think everybody I I think they are confident in their audience that it will it will be fine. But they're also very excited like every business is that has been down to make some money, you know, to get some cash flow. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, cuz breweries are the kind of thing where you have to buy your ingredients in advance mm-hmm. in order to make the beer that anywhere from a couple weeks to a couple months later people are going to enjoy. I I actually heard a a good story. I think it was an article that a friend of mine told me about that Jack from Aslan, who's one of the owners, was being interviewed for presumably a local paper and I'm sorry, I don't know which one it was, but <laughs> When they were not able to sell beer across the bar anymore, they had to 
really up their canning game. And he was talking about, like, like a lot of people did. I mean, that makes sense. Aslan's always yeah. packed, so you know that they're selling so many pints over the counter. Right. But that's for people coming in and having that sensory experience. You know, will as many people buy the, the beer off the shelf or, you know, from them? And what he was saying was there was nothing more terrifying that had ever happened in his life than for the business to essentially be on hiatus and putting in a $100,000 order for pallets of cans in the hope that he would be able to put the beer in the cans and get them out to the people. And presumably it all worked out for the best because this, I think, was a couple months ago, like when things Mm -hmm. first started. But, you know, that was the kind of thing that breweries had to do. Uh, I know Stemma had to get their crowler system up and running and you know what they planned to do a year or two down the line in their business plan was suddenly like nope you want to make money you want to stay here it's happening today yeah we just talked to jason uh, yeah jason mm-hmm. from stemma yeah. and going to cans so early and crowlers but also cans that you can buy at trader joe's or or at stemma did they think that was going to happen in their first year and and no no <laughs> that was that was like a year and a half in something that was their plan you know jason's very organized person and uh you know he doesn't do nothing happens by accident there you know things might happen by surprise but uh things don't happen by accident at stemma brewing but they were on it you know day one when as soon as stuff got shut down they put their online ordering thing together they got the cans they got everything together and uh and they kept it going. Yeah. And I think a lot of people realize that too, because he he said that a fair amount of people that were buying beer had never been there before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, I mean, they were just on it. Mm-hmm. Well, because they were one of the first places that you could go, you know, when everything was shut down and you couldn't find beer anymore unless you went to a grocery store. And, you know, in those first weeks, everything was sold out. You know, if you went to the grocery store, there was nothing on the shelves. You know, beer and flour, they were, those were gone. And, uh, beer and the stuff you need to make beer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or bread. Or bread, yeah. yeah. I'm a big baker. I was definitely on that train. Um, but, uh, you know, because they were one of the first ones available, it was a great move. And uh, sure, it was a lot earlier in some cash, cash outlay that they didn't expect, but... I think it's paid off and I think they've gained some new regulars by that. Mm-hmm. So hats off to them. Yeah. In phase phase two, I think, Maria, you were the person that texted me. I texted said, so many phase people. Phase two. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Lots of exclamation points. <laughs> yes. All, all caps, phase two. I get on Facebook and the first thing I see is, hey, we're open for phase two, you know, Come on mm-hmm. down to have a beer. These are the these are the things to expect. And I was like, geez, okay. So we did. We like within the hour we were Oh, within hours. Yeah. Yeah. We were there. Yeah, for so. sure. Yeah. What I was most excited about for phase two was our outbuilding finally was able to get started, which will have a little brewery in it for me. Oh, cool. Yeah. And that started this morning. So I was digging a ditch all day today. And uh that's what I was doing until I decided to get cleaned up and come upstairs and have a beer and chat with you. <laughs> so presumably you've had a little bit more time because of lockdown. Has your home brewing yielded some like extra creative projects or anything you're particularly proud of? <laughs> um, well, every one of my babies is special. <laughs> Aww. Uh, no, that's not true. Some of them are not. Um, <laughs> that we don't have to tell them. <laughs> right. Because of my unique work situation where I'm not working five days a week like I was, I've got time. 
And even after really hitting all of the house projects that have been piling up, I blazed through those pretty quickly and I have time to make beer. So I've been making a lot of beer. So I generally try and keep four beers on tap at my house at any given point anyway, but I've got multiple beers in the pipeline at this point. Beers that are just kind of sitting in the crawl space at 50 degrees waiting to go on. Uh, let's see, any particular ones that are special. I made a Belgian double that I'm really happy with, um, and I'm sipping on a Vienna lager right now that I'm pretty happy with. Vienna so. lager is, that's like my top three. I loved the nice. Lucky Break from Aslan. I love the Chuckanet Vienna lager. I'm sure I would love yours mm-hmm. too. If you ever have any extra. Well, well, well um, I don't know where in town you live, but uh, I'm in Sunnyland. Maybe we can yeah. make something out. My backyard is the one with a giant hole in it. Oh, perfect. Um. That's great. <laughs> Actually, that's something that I'm really excited about now that things are opening up is like, I don't know if you feel this way too, Maria, but connecting with some of the guests yes. that we've had. Yes, absolutely. Let's get a beer sometime. Yes, we would love that. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's one great thing is I'm talking to brewers. And so, you know, it's like, all right, well, let's, let's go get beer. Yeah. And we, of course, we're always having beer when, (laughs) but yeah, I've made a couple of, you know, I've, I've reacquainted myself with some people that I already knew and, you know, some of the newer people, you know, I've, I've made a really good connection with, um, the person I'm thinking of in particular is Greg Spore, who is down at Terramar down in Edison. And, uh, I would encourage people to go down there. They are doing crowlers to go and pizzas to go and the pizzas are amazing and beer is really good and amazing and he came down from alaska for this job and uh he had lived in talkeetna which is a place where i had lived up there oh i love talkeetna yeah uh, i had a dog named talkeetna but he he was at uh, he was at talkeetna brewing company up there but now he's here and, you know, they're kind of a destination spot down in Edison. And hopefully now that, that phase two's happened, um, it'll be better. But my wife and I drove down there last week, I guess, to get some food and stuff to go. And, of course, he and I stood out in the parking lot at 10-foot poles length with our masks on. And uh, we're like, man, I can't wait to, like, actually hang out and, and have a beer, you know, because we were just getting ready to be like, hey, all right, it's summertime. Let's hang out on the patio and have a beer. And then and then life life went down the down the toilet so yep okay so dave i think this is the segment where we're going to do some other crossover with your show so for our listeners like we had said before dave is the host of the tapped in beer cast that is the official podcast of the bellingham tap trails so yeah take it away dave all right the first part of my podcast is usually you know just really dorking out on brewer specific and just talking about process and uh, and all kinds of stuff like that. And then we take a break and then we come back and I just ask a bunch of kind of fun questions, including the one that was the whole conceit of the podcast to begin with, which we'll get to in a minute. But yeah, basically we just talk about beer and what, you know, what their favorites are, you know, like what they like to choose when they're just hanging out. And so the first question I always ask is, uh, what's the first beer that you ever had? Annika, I'm going to go first. So the first beer I ever remember drinking was a PBR. I was like, already had had a a bunch to drink last night and I was in the the back of someone's car. I just remember, I remember taking a sip and looking at my boyfriend and just being like, it tastes like breadsticks. And everybody thought I was so weird, but. (laughs) That's a good. Yeah. My conviction still stands now knowing more about how beer is made. 
It's just my mm-hmm. superior palate, and they didn't know what they're yeah. talking about. It's liquid breadsticks. That's all it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. With some flowers in it. Annika, what about you? My first beer, or at least at least that really meant anything, was a Rolling Rock. Mm-hmm. I had it when I lived in Montana, and I mean, aside from that, all I really had was like either Budweiser or PBR. I thought PBR tasted like a liquid form of pennies. That's how I described it. So, mm. like the coin. Yeah, pennies. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, that metallic flavor is something that can definitely be present in in beers for sure. So both of you are very perceptive. Thank you. Look at us dissecting PBR (laughs) like we know shit. (laughs) uh, That is kind of funny. Um, So just a couple more questions that that I'll ask. And again, these are just super breezy and fun. What's your favorite beer to drink? Of all time? Yeah. Okay, so hmm. Like I said, I love Vienna lagers, mm-hmm. and I really, I really do enjoy probably weedier beers the most. So mm-hmm. like, uh, wit beers and and Belgians, and then I do have a soft spot for like the Windermere Brothers Hefeweizen, mm-hmm. coming from Portland. So I think um, I'm gonna go with with beers that are a bit weedy and like breadsticky, maybe coming from my formative <laughs> experience. Did you grow up in an olive garden? Oh, well, an Italian family, so. <laughs> and but and when I say breadsticks, I do mean the like the crunchy kind, not the soft kind. Okay. Which maybe people that don't have like old Nonas that hit them with spoons aren't familiar with. <laughs> but And maybe that's why people laugh at me. Not that my Nona ever hit me with a spoon, but she's probably hit my cousins right. with spoons because they're bad. But she tried, and that's what's important. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's a Nona. You gotta yeah. Tough, tough love. I went back and forth for quite a long time, but currently I have been on the like orange juice looking hazy kick, which I know that's like that's like the new cool thing, but I love it. It's yeah. in the summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just I I'm just really into it. I like the hazy beers. Before that, I was like like the darkest beer you can go. That's what I wanted, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think it's changed since uh, living in Bellingham, and yeah. Oh, the dark beers just like because all my friends, we all started drinking like dark beers because they're sweet, and then you kind of lose your sweet tooth, and then you're like, oh, I want like the most bitter Northwest IPA you can give me, and they're mm-hmm. like, no, I'm done with that. I'll take something else. I I feel like I've gone through this like roller coaster where like now I want like kind of lighter weedier beers like the Kolsch's and the lagers are like something really fruity and sour like some of the millies that come out of wander mm. or i really like their cranberry ipa that they put out recently mm-hmm. yeah 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 the stuff that uh that jorgensen puts out at the north fork is always oh. amazing mm-hmm. so uh, good. you know he's just quietly had the sour program going on for a long time and uh that's awesome yeah what's not to love the drive um, out there Get closer, North Fork. <laughs> no, that's part of, that's the best part. Yeah. I love going, like, especially driving back from Mount Baker. It's like a. A must stop. Yeah. Oh, that's because, yeah. that's because you like snow activities. I yeah. don't like the snow activities. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. I don't do many snow activities, snowshoeing, but, uh, but growing up in Texas, I didn't have much opportunity to learn how to ski or snowboard or anything. So. Um, and I'm, I'm fragile. I break. So again, I was saying about the original conceit of the of the tapped in beer cast was it was originally going to be called uh, flipping the switch, because the whole idea was asking brewers 
what the beer was that flipped the switch in their brain where they realized, I have to know how to do this. You know, mm -hmm. the one that put them on the path because every brewer has a specific or almost every brewer. That's something that's that's been interesting to me. I always kind of presumed that that every professional brewer came into it through home brewing, but that's not always the case. Some just started it as a job. But by and large, most of the brewing community came from a home brewing background. And but regardless, there's always a beer that is the one that you can go back to and say, when I tasted that, I was doomed. I had to know how to do this. And now look at my life. So that that was that was the conceit of it. But the last question that I'll ask you is, uh, what is your guilty pleasure as far as drinking goes? Mm. Well, I don't feel a lot of guilt generally, <laughs> but I have done some kind of odd things in the past. As far as like, uh, like as beer goes, I do, I do enjoy like a Corona with lime on a on a sunny day. I don't feel like bad about it, but that's probably like the one domestic beer or i guess it's not technically domestic it's made domestic ish yeah. yeah it's it's in that like kind of lower 16 bucks cheapo tier but my drinking guilty pleasure i like deep eddy grapefruit vodka and soda and that's like my party drink nice that's what i'm gonna say for that without that getting was, too detailed that was very specific i would say that that was detailed <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Maria. <laughs> yeah. Way to know yourself. Uh, Jello shots. Oh, wait, nice. okay. I don't know if that's, I can put that in the. Yeah, that counts. <laughs> oh, no, that fully counts. I rarely do, like, I just feel like it has, it, it's probably more of a correlation between the people you're with and the circumstances that got you to where you are taking a Jello shot that mm, I, exactly. I associate yeah. uh, the, the fun atmosphere but jello shots you know nobody's nobody has answered jello shots i i like that answer because they're shameful like i keep that's why but by the time that you get to the point where you're having a jello shot you've moved beyond the shameful yeah, that's what i'm saying i mean it's just it's that it's like a gateway to really poor decision making yes which i can yes. totally get behind <laughs> Everybody's got to have nights like that every once in a while. Oh, absolutely. It's important to have blowouts. Exactly. And you said you are you are kidless, right? I am kidless. Yes. We are also kidless. So that's that's part of, part one of the many reasons <laughs> is because I can get to the point where I can take jello shots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most most teachers I've known have have been um drinking enthusiasts, let's say. That's one of the reasons I knew the profession was meant for me. Like, oh, look, my people. <laughs> so we're going to head into our very last segment, which is also our fa favorite segment, Local mm -hmm. Treasures. Um, in, yeah. this seg in this part, we do a roundtable sharing of something we ate, drank, or otherwise consumed recently. That fills us with local pride. I know we talked a lot about so many great local beers and uh, venues and bars in this episode, but if we could just get like one last shout out. Um, let's see, something I've had recently, I mean, really, it's just been beer. We go out, but my wife works at the co-op, so between the two of us, we're, there's generally a lot of food in the house because we both cook and we kind of cook different things. So I'll just stick with beer. And uh, I'd say one of the one of the more unique things that I've had recently was a collaboration beer between Eric Jorgensen out at the North Fork 
and Standard Brewing down in Seattle, I believe. They made a smoked wheat lager that was really good. And you can get it in cans, at least out there, but probably like a Hagen's or kind of thing like that. But these days, who knows? I don't know. But that was really good. And then as far as any food, the food that we got from Terramar down in Edison that we went and drove down, got and brought back and ate was was really delicious as well. I need to check out Terramar. It's definitely now on my list. They are worth going down. It's it's not a huge um, thing. It's pizza, salads, beers, cocktails. They're going to start distilling at some point. I don't think that they have now. I think they were just getting ready to, and then every you know the bottom dropped out. Yeah. But it's kind of a one-stop shop, and you're down in Edison, so you know there's all kinds of things to do once you're actually done. And it's like a 30-minute awesome. drive. It's not terrible. Hmm. Well, you will stop by sometime, Annika. Annika, how about you? What is your local treasure this week? So I stopped by uh, Twin Sisters today, and I picked up uh, a six-pack of their successor Hazy IPA. So good. I'm drinking one now. But while I was also there, I was browsing over their menu, and something that I haven't had recently but that I'm probably going to have soon because I realized how much I missed it is the uh, beer pretzel bites mm. from oh, so good. Twin Sisters. Yeah, that is something that, for me... Part of the multi-sensory brewery experience is some salty food that is nearby. Mm-hmm. Firm bread, liquid bread. They go so oh. well together. It's, just, it's great. All right. And I'm going to say that my local treasure this week is the like Southwest burrito I had at um, Sage Against the Machine. Mm-hmm. We stopped by Menace, and that was the food truck that was there. And it was really filling and really delightful and also like refreshing and had lots of vegetables in it. So I felt full and also good about myself. And I hadn't eaten there before. So I was really happy to get the opportunity to do so. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've had a chance to try them yet. Yeah. Oh, they're definitely they're good. worth it. So good. I love vegetables. I think I'm not a vegetarian. Annika is. But I probably, like, I don't think I would have that too much that much trouble giving up meat. Just like it's, it's never my favorite part of the meal usually. I'm a carb person. Yeah. I eat a lot of vegetables, but I also eat a lot of meat. So. All right. Well, we want to thank you so much, Dave, for coming on and talking about talking to us, for doing this really fun crossover with us. And we are so excited to share this episode out with our listeners. Well, I am excited, too. And thank you so much. I think this is the first time I've been a guest on something like this. So, yeah. um, so exciting for me, too, to not have to not have to have a script to read and uh, yeah. and to be worried looking at levels and to be worried about oh am i going to take that out or not so good luck good luck with that <laughs> and uh and yeah we'll definitely uh get some beers it's funny i almost wandered down to twin sisters today but i would have been the one covered in clay and dirt yeah. essentially because uh, it really is i mean i live on grant street it's um it's very it's close. just a handful of blocks down yeah and uh, also, Maria, I, my, the next beer that I have coming up is uh, Dunkelweizen, so um, so a dark wheat beer. So, yeah, we, we should figure out how to coordinate either you guys swinging by my backyard or uh, coming down to the Amtrak station or something, or just finding a drop off so that can get you some beer. Perfect. Look at us making friends all over the place, Ooh. Annika. <laughs> Beer makes friends. <laughs> I, I, yes. Yeah. That's, that's why it's 
so great. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's lots of reasons. <laughs> yeah. It is a social lubricant. It's, yes. it's it's a beautiful thing. We also want to say thank you to Jeff Figley for doing our music, Annika for doing our editing. You can follow us on most social media at City of Subdued Podcast. And with that, I want to leave everyone with a big stay healthy, Bellingham. A little more subdued, Maria. Please stay healthy. give a thanks to Jeff Bigley for letting us use his music. A big thank you to Annika for doing the editing for this episode. Special thanks to our special guest. And thank you to all of our listeners. We love you so much. Spread the word. That's amazing. (laughs) See ya.